Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Mario Escobedo. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Bro Code Podcast. This is season number two, episode six of the podcast. And if you're new here, thank you very much for checking out the podcast. If you've been listening for a while, I very much appreciate the comments, the likes, the shares, the downloads, and all of that. Thank you so very much. I've got to tell you that I am enjoying very much producing episodes for the podcast. If you are new here, just for your information, there is a new episode of the podcast the first Monday of every month. Uh, I started that format or that schedule in 2019, and so I've been maintaining that one episode every month, the first Monday of every month, you can look forward to a new episode of the Christian Bro Code podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places, and also over on YouTube. So if you prefer a visual format, then you can check out this very same episode, the exact same information. I'm literally just recording with the camera as I'm recording the podcast. So you can, uh, if you prefer seeing, then you can check this out on the YouTube channel, the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. If, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I highly recommend that you access the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast directory is. And the reason the reason I say that, I, I love podcasts. I, I don't just produce a podcast, but I consume podcasts. Like I, I listen to podcasts. They're so great because they're so portable. So whether I'm driving down the road, I'm cutting the grass, I'm doing something at home, uh, podcasts are great because if I'm driving, for example, well, then I don't have to be watching my screen like I would have to do on, on YouTube. There, I love YouTube just as much, but there are certain situations that I can't, I can't do YouTube. If I'm cutting the grass, I can't be watching a video. If I'm driving down the street in my truck, I can't be doing YouTube. So uh, podcasts are great in that respect. So I, I love them very much. So uh, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of the Christian Bro Code podcast. If, uh, if you are new here, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. This podcast is all about helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus. And the reason that we want to grow as disciples of Jesus is so that we can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. I know that if you're a Christian bro and you came across this podcast, that somewhere in your mind and in your heart, you're thinking, maybe you're not going to use those exact words, but you're thinking something along the lines of, man, I want to live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. I want to live my life to honor God. I want to love my family in a way that honors God. And I want to lead in my community and at work and at church in a way that honors God. I'm convinced that the absolute best way of being able to do that, live, love, and lead in a way that honors God, is to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is our example par excellence of what it is to live a life that honors God. And so if we follow him, if we grow as disciples of Jesus, then I'm certain that we are going to live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. Now, before I jump into the, the topic that I want to talk about in this episode, let me briefly, I haven't done this in previous episodes, but let me briefly describe to you or define for you what it is that I think a disciple of Jesus is. I mean, after all, if I'm talking to you about growing as a disciple of Jesus, I think it's only fair that you have an understanding of what it is I think a disciple is. How do I define a disciple? Not too long ago, I read a book called Disciple Shift. And as the title implies, it's all about discipleship and making disciples and how to disciple others, uh, and, and specifically how to make disciples that make other disciples, which is a fantastic concept. It's very biblical. It's very Jesus, right? When he called the disciples, he said, follow me and I'll send you out to fish for men. Make disciples that make disciples. 
And the way they define discipleship is, is this way, kind of three characteristics that define a disciple of Jesus. They say in that book, or the author says in that book, that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and who commits to the mission of Jesus. And I, I like that definition. But to me, it, it feels just a little bit too long. It's not very portable. It's something that it, it would take me some time to memorize that. So looking at that definition, I, I came up with my own abbreviated definition of what a disciple is that I think captures the essence of what that book says a disciple is, someone who follows Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and who commits to the mission of Jesus. Here's, here's how I describe or define a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is somebody whose greatest desire in life is to live like Jesus and for Jesus. I think that boils it down. I think, I think that's what a disciple is, somebody whose greatest desire in life is to live like Jesus and for Jesus. And I think that abbreviated definition of mine captures what that other book uh, says about discipleship. You follow Jesus, you're being transformed by Jesus, and you commit to the mission of Jesus. I think that's living like Jesus, right? That's following and being transformed. And the living for Jesus, well, that's committing to the mission that Jesus started when he was here on this earth. So as we proceed, not only in this episode, but in future episodes, anytime I talk about a disciple, and I'll, I'll repeat this in, uh, in future episodes just to make sure that we're all clear on what I mean when I talk about a disciple of Jesus, uh, I'm going to use this as a working definition definition. Doesn't mean that it won't change at some point. It, it might. I don't know. But for now, at least, I like thinking of a disciple of Jesus in this way. Someone who is uh, growing as a disciple is somebody whose greatest desire in life is to live like Jesus and for Jesus. So what I want to talk to you about in this, in this episode? Well, as the title suggests, I want to talk about um, giving it a rest. Give it a rest. And there's a very specific Christian bro f that this episode is for. Now, if you're not, if you don't fall in this definition or this description of a Christian bro, listen to this episode anyway. And I, I'm going to explain to you why in just a second. Let me tell you who this episode is for. I'm going to tell you who was in mind, uh, in my mind, as I was creating this episode. Now, it wasn't an actual person that I know, but I said, you know, who am I creating this episode for? Who do I, who do I want to? Who do I feel I want to help out in this episode? And here's here's who it is. This episode is for the Christian bro who feels spiritually tired. That's it. This episode, I'm, I'm talking to you if you are that Christian bro and you feel spiritually tired. And maybe, maybe you're at the point in your life right now in your Christian walk as a disciple where you don't, you're not fully tired yet, but you can feel the tired coming on. I, I think you know what I mean by that because... Certainly, we've all been sick at some point in our life. We know what it is to be sick, but we also know what it is to feel your body like it's starting to get sick. You know, have you have you ever said something like that? Like, man, I feel like I'm getting sick. You're not fully sick, but you start feeling the symptoms coming on. Maybe you're a Christian, bro, and you know that you're right now. You are spiritually tired. You're wiped out. You're burnt out. You're drained. But you might be at that borderline where you're you're thinking to yourself, or you maybe you've expressed it to somebody. And I just feel like I'm starting to get tired. Spiritually speaking, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to get tired. And here's the thing about being spiritually tired. Eventually, that, that fatigue or that sense of tiredness that you feel spiritually, it will affect all the other areas of your life. 
If you're spiritually tired, it's just a matter of time before you feel mentally tired, before you feel emotionally tired, physically tired. Your relationships, you'll you'll feel tired in your relationships. They'll be strained, Uh, whether you're a parent, a spouse, a friend. uh, You're going to feel that. It's going to affect that as well. Your work, you're going to feel tired at work. The reason for that is that we're spiritual beings. God created us at the very essence, at the very core of who we are. We are spiritual beings. So if we're spiritually tired, if the essence, the core of who we are is tired, then obviously at some point, eventually, that's going to affect every other area of our life. So this is this is important to recognize when you're feeling spiritually tired and to know what to do about that so that you no longer feel spiritually tired. And in this episode, in talking to that Christian bro, it may be you, you feel spiritually tired. I'm going to base myself on something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, something I'm sure you've heard multiple times throughout your Christian life. And in parentheses, maybe maybe you're not you're not that bro that who right now in your life you're feeling spiritually tired. Maybe you're fine right now. That's great, but you've probably been there at some point, and it's a good chance that you'll probably be there at some point in your life in the future. If it's not, you keep listening anyway because there may be something in this episode that will help you in some future point. But also, very importantly, there may be something I share in this episode that you can share with another Christian bro who is feeling spiritually tired. And so for that reason, uh, I think you'll you'll benefit from from this episode. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to read them. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Uh, If you prefer the NIV, fine, or New King James or whatever, that's fine. They're all very similar, not a whole lot of variance uh, between the versions in this passage. But here's Jesus talking, and this is what he says. Again, you've probably heard this at some point. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, everything I'm going to say from this point forward in the episode is really to emphasize this one main idea, this one big idea. And here it is. Here's what I want you to keep in the back of your mind as we progress through this episode. This is the big idea for this episode. Only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest that you need. I'm going to repeat that. The big idea for this episode is only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest you need. Now, in this brief teaching, it's only three verses, and he didn't say a whole lot. Now, this is part of a larger teaching, of course, but I'm focusing just on these three versions, uh, these three verses, I'm sorry. Jesus identified two categories of people. First of all, he talked about those who labor, and then he talked about those who are heavy laden. And let me, let me break down both of these categories and what I think they mean and what Jesus could have been talking about as he mentioned these two categories of people who needed rest. First of all, he says those who labor. The NIV says those who are weary. Uh, other versions might say something similar, something a little bit different, but it all has to do with the idea, the idea of uh, a sense of feeling tired because of hard work or being on a l- long journey that produces fatigue. Y- you've probably had something like that happen in your life. I mean, who of us hasn't been in a situation where we've worked all day long, 
no matter what kind of work you do. It's been a long, hard day of work and you get home and you're just ready to hit the sack. Or you've traveled. You know, I, when we were younger um, in our married life, both of our parents lived eight hours, 530 miles from where we live. And so we would drive. And when my daughters were younger, we'd get up at four o'clock in the morning or even earlier and try to drive as much while they were still asleep. And by the time I got to the destination, eight hours later or whatever it was, I was tired. And have you ever been so tired that you can't even sleep? That's that's so strange to me. But it's happened to me before that I'm so tired that I can't even sleep. That's happened before. That's, that's the idea that Jesus is conveying when he says those who are weary, those who labor. He's talking about those people who, in a physical sense, he's using a physical analogy— you're so tired because of the hard work that you're doing. You, you, you're tired physically because of the hard work that you're doing. But of course, in this case, Jesus is talking in a spiritual sense. He's talking spiritually, right? So what does this idea of all who labor or those who are weary, what does that mean when we, when we apply it in a spiritual context? Well, spiritually speaking, what does that mean? And here's, here's what I think it means. It has to do with laboring. It has to do with working. And here's here's how I would apply it. When Jesus says all who labor or all who are weary, he's talking to those who are tired because they're trying to obtain God's approval by their own work. Their own hard work. They're trying to merit. They're trying to receive. They're trying to obtain. They're trying to earn God's approval by their own hard work. I would categorize it this way or explain it this way. It's those it's those Christian bros who would say something along these lines, if I could only fill in the blank, right? If 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 only I could pray more, then I'll be the Christian that God wants me to be. If only I could read the Bible more, if only I could know more about the Bible, if only I could control my tongue better, if only I could control my anger better, if only I didn't struggle so much with bad thoughts, if only I could be a better Christian, if only I could be a more godly husband, if only I could be a better father to my kids, you know, all these if onlys. And what they're talking about is I need to do more to earn God's approval. I need to do more to obtain God's approval. And you know, we, we, we need to admit, we need to concede that there's nothing wrong with trying to do better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be better. There's, there's, I mean, that's growth. That's absolute growth for sure. But there is a danger in trying to merit or to earn God's approval by your hard work. There's nothing wrong with trying to get better. But what is wrong is trying to depend on your own strength and your own abilities to be a better person. I think you know as well as I do that ultimately that is a plan that's doomed to failure. There is not enough willpower in this world that you can muster up to make you a better person. You know that eventually your willpower will just fade away. It happens. It, it happens. In fact, I've, I've read from a couple of different sources, a couple of different books, that willpower is just like physical strength. Just like physically you get tired, you wake up in the morning and you're, you're fresh, you're ready to go, but as the day wears on and you do more work, you get physically tired. It's the same with willpower. When you wake up in the morning, you're fine. I mean, you've got a full tank of willpower, but as the day progresses and you're having to exert more and more of your willpower throughout the day, it's depleting as well. 
you, you're, you're getting weaker in your willpower as the day goes on because you're using it throughout the day to try to do better, to try to avoid certain things. And so it's depleting throughout the day. So by the evening or the nighttime, you just don't have the willpower that you once had. And so when you begin to trust in your own strength, in your own ability to be better, to do better, to obtain God's approval, to earn God's favor, that is tiring. That's the type of spiritual labor that will make you tired. And the reason for that is that it's ultimately impossible to please God in your own strength and with your own abilities. And we need to concede that, that ultimately it is impossible to please God through our own strength, through our own abilities. And what we have to recognize as as Christian bros, as disciples, those of us who have this desire or want to develop this desire to live like Jesus and for Jesus, what we need to know is that it's only through the merits of Jesus, it's only through the merits of Christ that we are justified and approved before God, nothing else. It's an act of grace. And so you may be one of these bros who is trying to do more and you're, you're, you're doing more and you're thinking, if I could only, if I could only, then God will love me, then I'll be the man that God created me to be. You need to give it a rest. You need to give it a rest. And this is the invitation that Jesus extends to you. You come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I'm going to take that burden or that that labor away from you because you can't. You cannot earn. You cannot merit. You, you will never be able to merit God's approval and justification and all that outside of Jesus Christ. It's only through him. And so he issues a call and he says, if you're labored, if you're, if you're weary, if you're tired because you're trying to do it all on your own, then come to me and let me give you rest. Now, let me here in parentheses, Read to you Romans chapter 5, verse 8, to demonstrate that it's it's not us. It's only through Jesus Christ. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote in Romans chapter 5, verses uh, 6 through 8, he says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Powerless. Powerless to do what? To to earn God's favor, to be justified before God. When we were powerless, what did God do? Well, he sent his son and Christ died for the ungodly. He goes on to say in verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though maybe for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There will never be, I I think this just reiterates the point that we're making and that Jesus taught here, there will never be enough of what you can do on your own that will merit you God's favor, forgiveness, love, approval, acceptance, justification. It just, it can't happen. We are powerless in our own selves to attain that. And Jesus's response or invitation rather is, if that's you, If you're trying to do it all in your own power, in your own strength, and by your own merits, you're not going to do it. You're tiring yourself out. Give it a rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. So what do we do? If if this is you, you're spiritually tired, and and you're beginning to recognize, man, it, it may be that I'm spiritually tired because 
I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying to do it in my own strength. What do you do? You go to Jesus and you find rest in him. You stop trying to prove to yourself and to God that you're good enough to earn God's approval. This is why Jesus said, come to me, all who labor. I will give you rest. Give it a rest. Stop trying to prove to yourself and to God that you're good enough to earn God's approval. Because what? You know what? We're not. And we never will be. But that's why Christ died for us, so that through him, in him, hidden in him, our identity is in him, and we stand justified before the Father, not because of us, but because of what Jesus did for us. So give it a rest. If, if that's you, you're, you're working yourself to the bone trying to obtain God's approval, give it a rest. Stop doing it and find rest in Jesus. Now, remember, the big idea, what are we talking about here? It's only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you ex- when you will experience the spiritual rest that you need and that you desire and that your, bo- that your body and your spirit and everything that you need, you only experience that type of rest when you take on the yoke of Jesus. We talked about the first category of people, those who labor, but there's a second category of people that Jesus mentions in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor, that's the first category, and then the second category is, and are heavy laden. Some versions will say burdened, heavy burdened, and I, I think the idea here is, is the sense of overwhelm. There's a sense of overwhelm, but this overwhelm comes from a very specific Uh, source or for a very specific reason. Because the idea that Jesus is communicating here is the following. The idea is something or someone who is carrying a heavy load on his back. So you can think of a person who is carrying a heavy load on, on on their back. They are burdened or they are heavy laden. You can even think of an animal carrying a heavy load on their back. That animal is heavy laden or they are burdened. And so Jesus is calling these people who who are carrying a heavy load on their back. They are heavy laden. He's issuing the call to them and he's saying, come and I will give you rest. Now, here's what I think this meant in the, in the time, in the context of, uh, of when Jesus was teaching this. I think Jesus was talking about the Pharisees, not that they were heavy laden, but rather that they were placing burdens on the people. What I think Jesus was talking about is that he was he was talking about how the Pharisees had imposed a heavy religious burden on the backs of the people. I I think that and, and I'll I'll share with you a verse in just a second that that backs that up. But I think when Jesus is talking about being heavy laden, being burdened, he's not just talking because oh you have problems in life and so they're weighing on you, they're they're burdening you. No, I think he's talking specifically about the heavy religious burden that the Pharisees had put on the backs of the people that they were supposed to be leading. And and here's here's how how I uh, what, what would I say? Would I summarize or synthesize? the approach of the Pharisees as spiritual leaders in the times of Jesus, I think they would say something like this. Now listen up, people. God says this, but we're just going to add this, 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 and this. So if you want to do this one thing that God says, you have to do these 15 things that we say. Now, I'm exaggerating the point, but to a certain extent, that's what it was. 
God says this, but we're going to add this, this, and this, and this, and this. So what were they doing? They were putting a heavy load on the back of the people. They were, they were putting more and more baggage and, and packages and whatever on the backs of the people. And they were saying, if you want to achieve what God wants you to do, here are all the things that we're telling you you have to do. And so it came to the point, I think, that the people were so burdened, so heavy laden with all the things that the Pharisees had put on their back, that even as they tried to take steps to move towards what God wanted for them, they couldn't because the load on their back placed there by the Pharisees was so heavy that they couldn't even move. Now listen to what Jesus said talking about the Pharisees. And now here he is explicitly talking about the Pharisees, and I think this illuminates what we're talking about here in Matthew chapter 11. But in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 4, look at what Jesus, look at what happens. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But don't do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. And then verse 4, here's the key. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They're imposing a load on other people, but they're not willing to either take that load themselves or, I can even interpret it this way, I think, help the people move that burden move that load. And so what we saw, what we see happening or what we see that happened in the time of Jesus with the Pharisees is that the requirements of the Pharisees caused the people to live trying to please the Pharisees instead of trying to please God. That's ironic, isn't it? That the Pharisees would say, hey, this is what God demands of us. This is what God wants of us. But here's what we say you have to do in order to do what God demands of us. And so it became less about pleasing God. It became less about fulfilling what God wanted. And it became more about living up to the expectations of the Pharisees. And that burden, as Jesus so plainly and clearly explained in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, that burden was too heavy for anyone to carry. Anybody. That burden was too heavy for anybody to carry, even the Pharisees, because they didn't even lift a finger to try to do it themselves. And so what does Jesus do? Well, in the context of this teaching originally, he issues a call to everybody who was heavy laden. Anybody who felt the weight and the pressure of everything the Pharisees had just packed on and piled on on their backs in order to try to please God, Jesus said, listen, if that's you, and you found yourself in this cycle or this routine of trying to please the Pharisees in order to please God, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. And here's, here's what I think this means for us as Christian bros in the 21st century. You can't live under the burden of trying to fulfill the religious requirements everyone around you tries to impose on you. It's too overwhelming. It's too much of a burden. You, you cannot live, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you cannot live under the burden of trying to fulfill the religious requirements everyone around you tries to put on your back. It's not going to work. It's too heavy. It's too much of a burden. It's overwhelming. And this is, this is how it happens. That you hear people, they hear, you, you hear people tell you, 
oh, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. And you, you ask them, well, why? And their answer is, well, because I don't do it. <laughs> what else do you need to know? It's because I don't do it. That's why you shouldn't do it. And this, the same for things that you should be doing. Well, you, you need to do and you need to do and you need to do. And you ask, well, why? Well, because that's what I do, right? And so what ends up happening is that you're carrying the religious requirements like a burden on your shoulders, a burden on your back, and it tires you. It's too much for any person to carry. Because I'm going to tell you this, you can never please everyone. You can never please everyone. I want you to imagine just for a second, the church you attend. Doesn't really matter the size. It could be a small church, it could be a large church, medium, doesn't matter. But imagine living your life trying to please every person in your church. <laughs> imagine just trying to live your life pleasing 10 or 15 people in your life. And what happens when those 15 people have differing views about the Christian life and, and what convictions you should or shouldn't have in your life and how you should do certain things. And imagine you, one individual, trying to live your life in a manner that pleases 10 other people. Then multiply that by 20 and then go up to 30. It's absolutely impossible. You can never please everyone. You'll never be able to do it. It's too much of a burden on anybody's shoulders, on anybody's back. It's too much of a burden trying to live your life, wanting to please everyone else and wanting to fulfill everybody else's religious requirements for you. It's a burden on your back. You can't do it. And not only that, but... Let me tell you something, and you've probably learned this already. Whatever you do will never be enough for others. Have, have, you, have you learned that in life? It's no matter how much you do and how often you do it, I've come to learn that it will never be enough for others. It just isn't. It, it, you, you start hearing stuff like this. Oh, you know, it's so great that you did this and you did this, but, but why didn't you do that and that too? And you're like... Man, do you know how much time and energy it took me to do just this? And you're complaining that I didn't do that? If you're if you're married or if you have kids, you know that that's just part of the reality of being married and having kids. I mean, especially with kids that you give and you give and you give and they take and they take and they take. And then and then sometimes it can come they can come across as being ungrateful and you say well daddy I, i've got this 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 and this but i want this why why can't i have this and you're just like seriously and i found that to be true in the church world as well i've tr found that to be true as, as a pastor i, I pastor a, a spanish speaking congregation uh, you know the ethnicity doesn't really matter but it doesn't matter how much i've done as a pastor there will always be somebody, and this has happened to me on multiple occasions, that people say, oh, pastor, that was great that, that we did this, this, and this, but, but why didn't you do this, this, and this? And I'm like, seriously? And I've just come to discover that anything you do, no matter what you do, it's just never enough for others. And it can be a burden. It can be a, a heavy burden on your back or on your shoulders, living your life trying to please others. First of all, you can never please everyone. Someone will be upset with you no matter what you do. And secondly, it's never enough. Now, let me just here in parentheses say something that I think is important. It's, it's worth mentioning right here. Because I'm not saying that you shouldn't look for or receive advice and counsel 
direction from others. I mean, that's that's good. I mean, that, that's part of being a disciple. That's part of growing as a disciple, that you, you look for those people who are uh, more spiritually advanced than you, perhaps, more spiritually mature, and you, you rely on them for advice and for counsel. That's a good thing. Definitely. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. That That's horrible. That's the worst thing you can do. But, but you can't you can't live your life trying to please others and trying to fulfill their religious requirements. You, you can't do it. Look for counsel and advice, yes, but don't live trying to please everybody and trying to fulfill their religious requirements for you. It, it can't work. It won't work. It's a burden, and it's going to tire you to the point that you say, I just give up. Forget all of this. This is too much. And again, notice that the call, the invitation that Jesus extends if you're burdened, if you are carrying the religious requirements of everybody around you and their grandmother, and they've just heaped and piled more religious requirements on your back and on your shoulders, listen, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. Isn't that wonderful? That's a wonderful promise that Jesus offers us as his disciples. So if you are one of these individuals who is burdened, you, you feel the burden on your shoulders, the burden of wanting or having to fulfill the religious requirements of others, what do you do? Stop trying to please everybody. Stop. Stop trying to fulfill all the religious requirements everyone around you wants you to fulfill. It's not worth it, and it can't be done. Stop doing it and go to Jesus. Because remember, what are we saying the big idea is for this episode? Only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest that you need. So if you're trying to carry that burden of fulfilling the religious requirements of everybody in your church and their grandma and their pastor, give it a rest. Give it a rest. Stop doing it. It's not doing you any good. And chances are you're doing more in an effort to please others and not to please God. Give it a rest. Stop doing it. Now, here we get to the good part. Right? Because we already have the invitation from Jesus. Come to me. I will give you rest. But here's it's 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 a somewhat ironic, at least to me. The manner in which Jesus proposes to offer rest. So he's talking to people who are tired spiritually, right? You're weary, you're tired, you're burdened, you're heavy laden. Come to me and I'm gonna give you rest. And man, I think that would have been good news for anybody who felt that way, who fell in either one of these two categories. And, and I can imagine the people starting to feel a little bit excited, like, yes, I want that. I need rest. And then what does Jesus say in verse 29? How is he going to give rest? He says, take my yoke upon you. I, I think the people would have been like, wah, wah, jip. Come on. This is all, this is a bait and switch. You're offering me something, and then it turns out to be something that, oh, come on. You want me to rest, but you want me to rest by taking your yoke upon me? That Come on. But this it, this becomes very important. And and in just a little bit, let me see. I'm, I'm checking out my notes here. Yeah, in, in just a little bit, I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's still work. Taking Jesus's yoke is still work. We'll get to that in just a little bit when we talk about verse 30. But let me let me flesh out for you what I think Jesus is saying here and why it is that taking his yoke actually produces rest. Because let me read all, all of verse 29 so we can get to the gist of it. Here's what Jesus says. After he extends the invitation, come to me if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart 
and you will find rest for your souls. And so I, I, let, let's flesh out what it is that Jesus could possibly be meaning when he says, taking my yoke on you will actually give you rest. Okay, I think that when Jesus declared these words, when he, when he said this, that those words, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, especially that fr- those two phrases right there, I think they would have produced or evoked an image in the minds of Jesus's listeners, a very clear image. It's talking about a yoke. So I think that the image that would have popped into the minds of those who were listening to Jesus at that moment would have been the image of two oxen carrying a yoke or two beasts of burden, whatever they may have been. Could have been horses, I don't know. But two beasts of burden carrying a yoke and pulling a plow behind them, a plow attached to the yoke. I think that as soon as Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, bam, people would have thought of, maybe even you know, without even wanting to, they would have thought of an oxen, a pair of oxen carrying a yoke. Now, I, I looked this up a little bit, and uh, here's, here's what I learned that would happen in the time of Jesus, and I, I imagine it still happens today with farmers and stuff like that. What they would do is, is um, when they're trying to break in or train an, o- uh, an ox to do the work of pulling a yoke or put, putting on a yoke and pulling a plow, what they would typically do is that they would take a young, inexperienced ox and they would pair it with an older, stronger, more experienced ox. That makes sense. And so what, what happens is that the stronger, older, more experienced ox taught the wheat younger, inexperienced ox, how to pull the plow with the yoke. And so if the younger, less experienced, weaker ox would start to fall behind, then the stronger ox would pull a little bit more and and get the younger ox to start pulling his weight as well. I even saw a video where they were training an ox, a young ox with an older ox, where the young ox started to veer off the path where they were walking. And what happened is that they started pulling off to the side and the older, stronger, more experienced ox just, just started tugging in the right direction and brought the young ox back into line, back into the direction that he was supposed to be going. So you have this older, more experienced, stronger ox training and teaching the younger, less experienced, weaker ox, how to take the yoke and pull the plow. Now listen, if that's not an image of discipleship, then nothing is. Because I think what the idea is 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 the following. Jesus doesn't put his yoke on you. He carries it with you. Notice what he says. Take my yoke upon you. I don't think he's just saying, I'm going to take mine off and put it on you. I think what Jesus is saying is, look, I've got this yoke on me, and I want you to take my yoke upon you. I, what is he saying? Let's pull this thing together. Let's let's put the same yoke on us, and let's pull this thing together. And in that process of putting on the yoke of Jesus and pulling this load with Jesus by your side, you're learning from Jesus. You're learning how to live like Jesus and for Jesus. You're you're helping advance the the mission that Jesus came to this earth to fulfill. You're learning from him. That's exactly what he says. Take this yoke and learn from me. And and when I teach you, notice how he describes himself. When I teach you, you're going to discover that I am gentle and lowly in heart, humble in heart. I'm going to teach you the right way to do things, and I'm going to teach you in the right way. I'm not going to scold you. I'm not going to beat you. I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to knock you down. I'm gentle, and I'm lowly in heart. So as you and I 
are pulling this yoke together, wearing this yoke and pulling the plow together, you're going to learn from me. I'm going to teach you. And if you start falling behind, I'm going to pull just a little bit more for you until you're able to catch up. If you start going off the indicated path, I'm going to pull you back into line and keep you going straight. I'm going to teach you. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We're going to walk this thing together. And as we're walking together in a gentle and humble way, I'm going to teach you so that you can learn from me. And when, when that's the case, when we walk with Jesus carrying the same yoke that he's carrying, and we learn from him because he teaches us in a gentle and lowly or humble way, then this is where the last part of verse 29 takes effect. And you will find rest for your souls. <laughs> that, 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 that's fantastic because what's happening is that Jesus himself, he teaches you everything you need to live in a way that pleases God. When you, when you take the yoke of Jesus on you, and he's leading you, and he's teaching you gently and humbly, you find rest because the way he teaches you leads you to a life that, that honors God. Live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. And the rest that he promises, it comes from the knowledge that you don't have to do it in your own strength. He's pulling with you. The rest that he promises, it comes from, from knowing that that he's not just putting more burden on your back, but he's carrying the burden with you. So notice the alternative is Jesus and the way he does things. It's so much better than what you've been living so far and what has given you this sense of being spiritually tired. You gain rest from knowing that you don't have to do it in your own strength. And from knowing that Jesus just doesn't pile more stuff on your back, but that he pulls with you. He's pulling that, that plow, wearing that yoke with you and pulling right along with you and teaching you everything you need to know along the way. Big idea. Again, only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest that you need and that you're looking for. Now, verse 30. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I, I want to remind you that even though he says that he's going to teach us and that we're going to find rest, and then now in verse 30, that it's an easy yoke and the burden is light, it's still a yoke. This means that there's still work to be done on your behalf. We don't want to go so far into a, a gospel of grace, although the gospel is nothing but grace, but we can go so far to an extreme and say, grace, you don't have to do a single thing. I, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's still talking about taking on a yoke. What that means is that there's still something that you have to do to grow as a disciple of Jesus. There's still work to be done on your part, not work that will result in you earning God's favor. No, but it's work that you do because you have received God's favor. It's, it's work that you do as a result of of the grace that you've received in your life. And discipleship is work. Growing as a disciple, it is work. And it's not easy work. And Jesus never intended for it to be easy work. He's pulling with you. He's giving you rest as you do it. But he uses the analogy or the illustration of a yoke, I think, very intentionally to communicate it's still work. 
don't don't be under this illusion that there's no work involved in this. This is still work. You're going to have to work. There is work to be done. There is a yoke that goes on you, and that yoke may chafe you a little bit, and that yoke may produce some calluses, and you're still pulling a plow. And guess what? Sometimes the ground is hard, and you have to pull just a little bit harder to break the ground. It's hard work being a disciple. It's worth every moment of it. You will grow and in following in the footsteps of Jesus and carrying his yoke upon you, it will be a restful experience. But don't for a second be fooled into thinking that being a disciple isn't work. It is. It's work. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the words of Jesus to encourage you to take on that yoke with understanding. Understand that it is work being a disciple of Jesus. The irony of all of this is that with Jesus, that work, it produces spiritual rest and not fatigue and not oppression. Isn't that, that, that's, just, that's just God's economy. Things just work differently under God's way of doing things. That work actually produces rest? Yeah, that's just how God works things out. And when you compare your own yoke, you know, trying to do things on your own and in your own strength, and the yoke of others trying to fulfill everyone else's spiritual responsibilities, you quickly understand, you quickly realize that, yes, indeed, the yoke of Jesus produces spiritual rest. And the reason for that, I think, multiple reasons, I'm sure. I already mentioned he pulls along with you. He teaches you gently and humbly. But also, it's because everything Jesus teaches you to do it produces fruit. There's spiritual growth in that work. And when there's fruit and spiritual growth, there's rest for your soul. I, I just think that's that's fantastic. Your own work, you know, your own efforts in trying to merit and, and earn God's favor by your own work and, and following the rules and the religious responsibilities of, ev- of everyone else, all that produces is frustration and fatigue. That's it. But doing things Jesus's way, taking Jesus's yoke, it produces fruit, spiritual growth, and rest. If you do it your way or trying to fulfill everyone else's religious responsibilities by the end of things, and it's not going to take very long, you're going to say, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. I'm too tired, and this burden that has been placed on my back, it's too much. I can't take it anymore. That's how you're going to end up. And it's very possible that right now, the reason you feel tired, spiritually tired, is because you've been trying to do things in your own strength. You've been trying to earn God's favor by your own abilities. Give it a rest. Find your rest in Jesus. You may feel spiritually tired or you're on the brink of entering that sense or that that state of spiritual fatigue because you're trying to fulfill everyone else's religious responsibilities for you, give it a rest. Take on the yoke of Jesus. Because again, the big idea, only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest that you need and that you're looking for. So if I would ask you to do something, it would be this. Take off whatever yoke you're carrying and take on the yoke of Jesus instead. Learn to grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. Be that disciple. 
that person whose greatest desire in life is to live like Jesus and for Jesus. And the best way to do that is take on the yoke of Jesus. Learn from him. He's humble. He's gentle. He'll lead you down the right way. He'll correct you when necessary, gently and humbly. And in the end, you will find spiritual rest in taking on the yoke of Jesus. One last time, let me just go through some things that that we covered in this episode. This episode or this podcast really is all about helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. A disciple is somebody who is greatest, whose greatest desire in life is to live for Jesus and like Jesus. And the big idea for this episode has been only by taking the yoke of Jesus will you experience the spiritual rest you need. If you're somebody who is trying to do everything in your own strength to please God, give it a rest. Go to Jesus and find rest in him. If you're somebody who's carrying the religious responsibilities and burdens of everyone else on your shoulders, it's impossible to do it. Give it a rest. Go to Jesus, take on his yoke, and you will find rest in him. All right, that's it for this episode, bro. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this. Remember, there is a new episode the first Monday of every month. Some additional teachings that you'll find over on the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. If you're so inclined, go ahead and check it out over there. Subscribe as well. Uh, I don't do a whole lot on the on the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. I do stuff from time to time. Not a whole lot, though. But there are some additional teachings that you won't find on the podcast. You'll find them over at the YouTube channel. So uh, be sure to check that out. Subscribe, like, share, comment, all those things that people would ask you to do on podcasts and YouTube. Um, you know, I, I'd appreciate you doing that. Hey, spread the word. If you know of a Christian Bro who might benefit from this episode or from other episodes that you access, uh, definitely share this with him. And uh, if, if I can help with anything, if you've got questions or, uh, I don't know, if I can help with something, drop me a line, mario at mariosquillo.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can find me there as well. And if I can help with anything, then I'm more than happy to do so. All right, bro, that's it. Be sure you take you continue to take steps to grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. God bless, bro. I'll see you in the next one.